We're working through the book of Judges in the Old Testament, and the book of Judges is a book primarily about six judges. You have Othniel and Ehud and Deborah and Gideon and Jephthah and Samson. You have six judges, heroes of Israel. Those are the primary character in, characters in the book of Judges, stories of heroes. I find it interesting that it seems like today that superhero stories are more popular than ever. It seems like every week there's a new superhero movie released. Have you noticed that? You think about these superhero stories that are really interesting to a lot of people in today's world. These stories are stories about individuals who are unlikely candidates to be the hero that they become. Think about Spider-Man. Spider-Man was just a teenage boy who had lots of issues with inadequacy, feeling rejected. And nobody expects this young teenager to become Spider-Man. Think about Superman. Superman is just a farm boy raised on a farm in Kansas by farmer parents. And nobody would suspect that this boy named Clark Kent would become Superman. It's so unlikely, think about this, it's so unlikely that Clark Kent is Superman that his disguise is a pair of glasses. I mean, think about that. Like the glasses are off, it's like Superman. He puts glasses on, Clark. Have you ever thought that's just weird? And it's a, they're making a point. The point is, that Clark Kent is so unlikely to be Superman that it only takes a pair of glasses taken off for him to be completely unlike anything you've ever seen. It's really interesting. And all, all the superheroes are like that. They have these minuscule disguises because for the people who know them, they're the most unlikely candidate to be a hero. And yet they become heroes. Unlikely. And they're deliverers of a city. Now, those are the kinds of stories that we like. In fact, I, I think that sometimes we like to imagine ourselves in those kinds of stories. Unlikely heroes delivering a city. So let's think about this story in Judges, the story of Ehud. I want to read the first section of chapter 3, starting in verse 12 reading through verse 15, because that's the setup of the story. It's written so that when we read it or we hear it, it creates intrigue and interest in our minds and hearts as the listener. And so let's look at this together. Judges chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered to himself the sons of Ammon and Amalek, and he went and he defeated Israel, and they possessed the city of the palm trees. The sons of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, 18 years. But when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, 
a left-handed man. And the sons of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, king of Moab. Now that's the setup for the story. And there are several things right here in these verses that are to create intrigue and interest in our minds when we've heard this introduction to this story. One of the things that should create interest in us is the moment we hear this story unfolding, we hear the devastation of the fact that Israel has turned away from the Lord. And then we hear that God strengthens Eglon, king of Moab. Now that's the point where we should be shocked. Wait a minute. I am not expecting to hear that God strengthens the enemy of his people. I am expecting to hear that God strengthened his people. But that's not what we're being told here. God actually strengthens the enemy of his people because his people have turned away from him. And his enemy, the enemy of his people, rise up and conquer them defeating them and holding them under oppression for 18 years, much longer than the previous story when Israel was under the impression, oppression of their enemies. Our attention should be arrested by the fact that God has strengthened the enemy of the people. And then our interest should be piqued when we read about Ehud, this deliverer that God has raised up. God raises up a deliverer for his people who are under oppression and his name is Ehud, the Benjamite. Wait a minute. From the beginning of Judges, we have heard about the tribe of Judah. They led forward in chapter one. They led the way. They were the tribe that God said, you're to take off first, the tribe of choice. They're the tribe that had the first victory. They're the tribe that everything's going right. In fact, by the end of Judges, they will be the tribe that our attention is pointed toward who will bring about the king of Israel, the tribe of Judah. All we've heard about the tribe of Benjamin so far is in chapter 1 when Benjamin failed to defeat the Jebusites in the city of Jerusalem. And here we have God raising up a deliverer from the tribe of Benjamin. We should be asking the question, why, why Benjamin? Why not Judah? Everything's been pointing to Judah and now it's Benjamin. What's the problem here? Our interest should be rising. And then there's this little description of Ehud, Ehud the Benjamite, a left-handed man. How many of you are left-handed in the room? Let me see your left hand. Did you raise your hand to say you're left-handed with your right hand or your left hand? Just curious. Okay. This in no way is meant to be a personal offense to you. So don't leave today saying the pastor hates left-handed people. But listen to the description here. Ehud is a Benjamite. If we look at those, that proper name in the original language that Judges was written, we will see that it's a combination of words to create that proper name. If you read that combination of words as it could be read, that represents the proper name, it would read like this. Ehud, son of my right hand. Then if you look at the words translated in the English, left-handed man, in the original text, and you read those words as they appear, this is how it sounds, restricted in the right hand. 
So this is the description of Ehud. Ehud, son of my right hand, who is restricted in his right hand. Isn't that the kind of description that would make you think, this is not the guy we would choose to be our hero? The son of my right hand who is restricted in his right hand from the wrong tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. And so our interest should be piqued because this is the kind of story we all love. God's people have been overcome by the enemy of God whom God strengthened. And they've been oppressed for 18 long years and they cried out. And the Lord raised up an unlikely candidate to be the deliverer of his people, Ehud, the man none of us would have chosen to be our hero. See, this is the kind of story that grabs our attention. We want to find out about this story. We want to hear this story. This is the story that grabs our hearts and our minds, and we want to see our place in this kind of story. And so then the storyteller of Judges begins to unfold the details of the story. Now, I'm going to tell you the story today, as I will most weeks, simply because Judges is a story that's easier to tell at times than it is to read, because I need the liberty to edit some of the things and the stories in the Judges. Now, today's story is not near as graphic as stories that will come, but the stories in Judges get increasingly graphic as we go. And so I'm going to give you an edited version. Now, if you want to read the full version, the unedited version, I would encourage you to do so um, either before or after, even while we're here together. Read that full version. Get the taste of what's happening there. But just know that I'm trying to be kind and considerate by giving you an edited version when necessary. When I tell the story, I will keep the key elements in the story. I will try to retain the flavor and the emotion of the story in the way I tell it that represents the biblical text. But just know that I'm not doing this to discourage you from reading the text, simply being sensitive to some of the things that will appear in the text that may not need to be read as they're written for us all. But certainly, I would encourage you all to be reading the actual text. So let me tell you this story. Ehud crafts himself a sword. It's more of a dagger than a sword. It's about 18 inches in length, and it's double-edged. Because the double-edged sword will better serve his purpose and his plan. He takes that sword, that dagger, and he straps it on the inside of his right thigh underneath his cloak so that no one would suspect it's there. He has a plan and he has a way to carry out his plan. See, he has been chosen by the people of Israel to be the representative to King Eglon to bring tribute to the king. A tribute was the payment that was being made by Israel while living in servitude to Moab and King Eglon. Ehud comes and he makes tribute. He pays the payment to the king and then after having paid the tribute to the king he says to the king king I have a secret message for you and apparently King Eglon is of the uh, curious sort and so he says to his attendants there I want you to all leave me because I want to hear this secret myself of no one else hearing and so he dismisses everyone from the room there and just gets alone with Ehud and Ehud comes a little closer to King Eglon who is by the way a very rotund man it's in the story you can read it for yourself I'm not just saying that it's actually a part of the story so he says to King Eglon I have a message 
from God for you. This really grabs King Eglon's attention and he stands to attention as if to lean in to hear the secret message whispered in his ear. And at that moment, Ehud grabs his dagger with his left hand and thrusts that dagger into Eglon's rotundness and leaves it there and then leaves the room and locks the door on his way out. And he escapes. Meanwhile, King Eglon's servants come by the door wondering kind of what's going on and they notice the door is locked but they don't knock on the door. They don't call out to their king. They don't get involved at all because they assume because of the locked door that King Eglon is using the restroom. It's not just the locked door that makes them think that. It's also an odor that they smell. And so they assume he's using the restroom and then they begin to wait. And they wait. This is bathroom humor in the Bible. (laughs) Who would have thought? And they wait and they wait and they wait until they cannot wait any longer because they become so overly concerned this is not the normal pattern. And so they get a key and they open the door and they find their king laying dead in the floor. Meanwhile, Ehud has made his escape. He's had plenty of time to get far enough away to make it into his own territory. He grabs a trumpet and he plays that trumpet, the sound of victory, and he yells out, victory is ours, the Lord has done this. And he leads the people, the men of Israel, into Moab and they have a great battle with the army of Moab and they wipe them out and God grants freedom to his people for 80 years. There's another unlikely character named Shamgar who comes to the forefront somewhere along that time period and prevents the Philistines from becoming oppressors over God's people. God retaining, continuing the freedom and peace that he granted through Ehud. Two unlikely deliverers God used to provide freedom and peace for his people. Isn't that a great story? When you hear that story, Connected to the story of Othniel, the first judge and deliverer for God's people, talked about in the book of Judges. When you hear those two stories together, right by each other, the contrast between those two stories should strike you as a listener. Now, it's been several weeks since we've, we've talked about or read the story of Othniel, the first judge. So I want to just review that by reading it to you. It's just a couple verses in chapter 3, verse 9. So let me read that to you, starting in verse 9. It says, when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the sons of Israel to deliver them. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. When he went out to war, the Lord gave Cushan, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, so that he prevailed over the king of Mesopotamia, and the land had rest for 40 years. Then Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. That's your story of Othniel. You put that story side by side with the story of Ehud, you're going to see some contrast. The first thing you're going to see is the fact that Othniel came from the tribe of Judah. 
This is the tribe we expect the deliverer, the savior of Israel to come from based on what's happened so far in the book of Judges. And sure enough, Othniel comes from the tribe of Judah. Well, we already talked about the fact that Ehud comes from the tribe of Benjamin. We also see that, that, that Othniel is said to have the spirit of the Lord upon him. That's a striking feature with Othniel that we do not see with Ehud. There's nowhere mentioned that the spirit of the Lord comes upon Ehud at all. We, we read about Othniel and the Spirit of the Lord comes on him and he is judging Israel and then he delivers Israel. So he is, Othniel is providing guidance for Israel to walk back to the Lord and provides deliverance for the people of Israel, freedom from their oppressors. When we hear about Ehud, he is not said to have judged the people at all. There's nowhere it talks about Ehud giving guidance. He's just talked about as a deliverer, another contrast between the two. When we think about Othniel, he goes to war, something noble, this noble exercise of giving God's people freedom through this battle where the Lord grants victory to Othniel and his warriors. Ehud lies, deceives, and assassinates. It's really an interesting contrast created between the two characters so that when you hear the story of Ehud, you are hearing some things emphasized and you're walking away with a clear encouragement in your own life. When you hear the story of Ehud and you contrast him with Othniel and you think to yourself, if God can use Ehud, he can use anybody. When you hear the story of Ehud and you contrast it with the story of Othniel, you think if God can use these circumstances with Ehud, he can use anything to accomplish his purposes. You see, where the story of Othniel is the story of God's compassion changing the direction of our lives, the story of Ehud is the story of God's compassion conveying that he can use us that he actually invites us to be a part of his plan even though we are all far from perfect. We all have many shortcomings and we are all really unlikely candidates to be used by God for God to accomplish his purposes. Do you know when we came into this place every single one of us were unlikely candidates to spend time in here worshiping God? None of us walked in here qualified, capable, and perfect. Every single one of us walked in here unlikely candidates. That's the message of the gospel. That Jesus Christ has chosen unlikely candidates to know him, to walk with him, to love him and love people, and to help others do the exact same thing. I want you to listen to this passage in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, you can turn there with me if you want to. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I love this description of us as believers. Specifically, this is a description of the believers in Corinth. But I think when we read the New Testament, it's very clear that this description of the believers in Corinth is a perfect description of us as well. Listen to this description. For consider your calling, verse 26. For consider your calling. 
that there were not many wise according to the flesh and not many mighty and not many nobles. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong and the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen that the things that are not, the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Do you know that through Jesus Christ, in faith in him that you, though incredibly unlikely, unqualified, undeserving, can be the recipient of the love of God. It is God's purpose and plan that you come to know him and follow him. And though unlikely as it is, Through Jesus Christ, you have been invited to know God. That's the message of the gospel, that Jesus Christ bore our weaknesses and our sins and our shortcomings, every one of us, so that when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, God invites us in to know him, to follow him, and to serve him on the basis of Jesus Christ and his perfection. Instead of banishing every one of us from being involved in the love of God and the purpose of God based on our own shortcomings. What I hope that you would see today is if God can use Ehud, He can use you. And he's proven it to you through Jesus Christ. I know that when you come into this place and you think, I am chosen by God to be loved by him, to be a representative to the world of his love, that that is an overwhelming opportunity and responsibility one that we often shrink back from and say I'm not worthy to be your representative in my world Lord you know what I have done you know how I've fallen short you know that you could describe my life as the son of my right hand who's restricted in his right hand I don't have what it takes to measure up I don't have what it may what it was necessary for me to accomplish what you have called me to accomplish I have lots of baggage. Lord, you know I'm not the right person. Would you simply choose somebody more qualified? And God says to each one of us, who are you? Who are you to define my qualifications? I have called you qualified because my son, Jesus Christ, is fully qualified. And his qualifications have been given to you through your faith in him. And the reason I'm using you is not because you are the likely candidate, but because you are the unlikely candidate and my son Jesus Christ will get the great glory through me using you. 
God loves you. And he wants to use you. Where Othniel's story is the story of God's compassion changing the direction of our lives, this Ehud story is the story of God's compassion inviting you to be a part of living out his plan. See, God's plan is for you to know him and to know his love and then for you to be a representative in your city of the deliverer. Jesus Christ, offering deliverance and freedom and peace to those around you because you've experienced it yourself. You know what God wants people to say about your life and my life as they see us living our lives? This is what God wants people to say about us. If God loves Kevin, he can love me. If God loves so-and-so, then he can love me. If God could use them, then he could use me. If Kevin can fit in the plan of God, then I could fit in the plan of God. If God could use this person to accomplish this amazing work of his hand, then certainly God can use me. God wants to make you a deliverer in the city who lives his or her life in such a way that people say there is no way that they could experience and be used by this way if God was not in the middle of it choosing to love them and use them. God wants to blow people away so that they know that the only reason we have been used by the Lord, the only reason that we have been loved by the Lord is because of Christ. And that way people will see in and through us the glory and the wonder of Jesus Christ. God wants to use you to accomplish His purposes so that people marvel at Him. You haven't had enough training. You feel inadequate. You feel like no one would believe you if you said that God wanted you to serve him in this way. There's no way you could accomplish that. Well, join the team because we're all unlikely candidates that only the grace of God enables to serve him for his glory. This last week, I had a friend come to me sitting in my office, tears welling up in his eyes. And this is what he says to me. He says, I cannot see how God can use me. This is just far too much. This circumstance is impossible. How can God really use me? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I have done? I am not a good person for God to use in this way. And I looked at him and I said, you're right. But God loves you. And that makes you the right candidate. God has invited you in be a part of his plan the question is not are you the likely candidate you're not the question is will you trust him
you know what I got to see? I got to see this man say, and that, I mean, it was like an about face. He said, I do trust him. I can't explain why he's done this. I can't even understand why he's choosing to use me, but I trust him. And this week on Thursday night, that man was used in a marvelous way that blessed hundreds of people. And when people look at what that man did, this is what they're going to say. If God could love him, he can love me. If God can use him, he can use me. And they're going to trust Jesus Christ, their deliverer, for freedom and peace. That man, simply by trusting Jesus Christ, became a part of the kind of story every single one of us want to be a part of. Isn't that right? I got to tell you something that happens to me occasionally, and this is kind of funny. On a Saturday, my typical attire is work jeans, a t-shirt, baseball cap, and I usually have a couple days of facial hair growth. And what happens, it's funny, is I'll go to Home Depot or something like that. I'll be walking up and down the aisles, and I'll see people that I recognize from church, but they'll see me and walk right on by as if I wasn't there. And I think, man, a baseball cap is really a great disguise. I've been reminded recently, as recent as Saturday, that uh, if a baseball cap can disguise me, I am one unlikely candidate to be the pastor of this church. And if you looked at my credentials and my experiences, if you looked at my past, if you looked at my family pedigree, if you looked at the brokenness that I've walked through and the sins that I have committed, you would agree that I'm an unlikely candidate. I am only in this post because God loves me. And he called me to be a part of his plan. And he asked me, are you willing to trust me? And I just want you to think, every time you look at me, if God can love Kevin, he can love me. If God can use Kevin, he can use me. And that every one of us would join the story that our hearts long to be a part of and that we would take up our post in the city and cry out, there is a deliverer and his name is Jesus. Let's pray together.